Thank you everyone for coming. We will continue tonight to discuss the Bhagavat Sandarbha of Srila Jiva Goswami. We made it up to the 36th Anucheda section, and the last few Anuchedas, if you remember, have dealt dealt with different characteristics of Bhagavan, and as the praman, as the evidence for these particular characteristics, Jiva Goswami has relied on the prayers of Lord Brahma from the Brahman of the Mohan Leela of the 10th canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam. So there's a lot of tattva in those prayers, and he's drawn out that tattva to introduce his introduce the various concepts regarding the nature of Bhagavan. So tonight we'll continue and the Anucheda is the first Anucheda we'll discuss, 36. Krishna's body is Advaya Brahma. So Advaya means non-dual. Now if we think back, remember that this at the beginning of this Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami brought out the point and uses, he explained to us that this one verse from Srimad Bhagavatam, Vidanti Tat Tat Bhavidas Tatvamyaj Janam Advayam Brahmeti Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate would be the foundational uh, verse upon which the next two Sandarbhas the Bhagavat Sandarbha and the Paramatma Sandarbha will be based when we say Brahmeti, Paramatmeti Bhagavaniti Sabjate so we're at the Bhagavat Bhagavan Iti Sabjate and now we'll go in the next Sandarbha to the Paramatma what about Brahman? He just decided, Jiva just decided to leave Brahman out. But the point is, what's to be said about Brahman? The Brahman aspect, when we look to the absolute truth and only look through the eyes of that conceptual orientation, there's no characteristics to discuss. Brahman is that non-dual substance, but when you look to that concept of just the Brahman aspect of the Absolute, that all-pervasive spiritual energy, of course we as as worshippers of Bhagavan, <laughs> we see the Brahman aspect of the Absolute Truth as simply an, an energy of the Lord. But it's also His nature. His nature is all-pervading energy energy manifest in the form of uh, Satchitananda. Uh, it exists. That spiritual energy exists and it is cognizant and it is ever joyful. Everything emanating for, from that energy is of that same nature except his material energy which is truly, it's inert, 
when it's not seen in relationship with the supreme it's inert it doesn't it doesn't have those characteristics but it's still an energy of the supreme it's it's that inert manifestation of his energy we call that maya but krishna says when in speaking the the chatur sloki the four key verses of the Srimad Bhagavatam that he spoke to Brahma, which are in themselves the encapsulated, condensed essence of Srimad Bhagavatam, which was expanded to give us 18,000 verses, which we have as our Srimad Bhagavatam. But again, the rest of the verses are what? They're a commentary on these four verses. The first of those verses, Krishna explains to Brahma that if you see anything independent of me, know that to be maya. If you see that there is a distinction between myself and anything that you experience, know that distinction to be maya. We're not saying the material energy is spiritual, but for the spiritualist, they cannot see the material energy as separated from the Supreme. So therefore, their conception is different than the materialist conception. They see it as non-different. We see it in the, according to our theology, our understanding of the absolute truth as what? It is different and it is non-different. And that's unconceivable. It's God energy without consciousness. It comes into and leaves existence, sometimes being manifest, sometimes being unmanifest. It's sometimes in an unmanifest state, sometimes in a manifest state. It doesn't have the characteristic of the joyfulness of consciousness and existence. It has no awareness of that independent of seeing it in relationship to the Supreme. Now if we see it in relationship to the Supreme, then then that's that's spiritual consciousness. If we see it as separate from the Supreme, then we can perceive it as Maya, because that's what Krishna says to Brahma, the first verse of the Chatur Sloki. If you see anything that's separated from me, know that to be Maya. Well, what for the spiritualist that sees the material energy in relationship to the Supreme? Well, then there is no Maya. There's no concept of Maya. But there is an energy, a material energy, which is his inferior, inferior energy. Bumir, a pope, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, see all these things as my separated material energy. But not that you see them separate from me, because I'm the energetic source, but they're separated in that they're not invested with that energy of mind, which is consciousness, existence, they do exist, but conscious existence, which is blissful.
So we take this concept, non-dual Brahman, now, this concept of Brahman, this one aspect of the Absolute, Brahma, Advaya Brahma. Krishna's body is Advaya Brahma. So Brahma continues now. We're going to read the, a little bit from the Anacheda to relate his own experience about Sri Krishna's body and what an experience he had. He didn't eat, I mean, just just to try to conceive of the experience. What to speak of, speak of actually experiencing what Brahma experienced. Just to intellectualize what he experienced with some spiritual understanding from, from practice. We can get some concept. But Brahma... He stole the calves and the cowherd boys and turned away for a moment, came back a moment later, and there's the calves and the cowherd boys. Well, Brahma's pretty conscious of what's going on, so he said, well, what's going on? <laughs> uh, uh, let me check it out. So he did. He used his his mystic powers, and he saw... Wait, the calves and the cowherd boys are still in the cave. But here's the calves and the cowherd boys with Krishna. And there's no difference between the two at all. They have the same dress, they have the same turbans, they have the same jewelry. The calves are all the same colors as those calves. Which calves are the ones I put in the cave did Krishna, Brahma's bewildered. Brahma Vimohan. He's like, I don't know which is, which is what and what's. And so much so that he's, he's overtaken with wonder. What? I thought I had some power here. Some mystic opulence. And no sooner did he, did he experience this where he recognized that there was no distinction between the calves and the cowherd boys in the cave and the calves and the cowherd boys who were with Krishna. No sooner did he come to that revelation that the cows and the calves that were with Krishna, their forms changed before his eyes. They changed. And they became, you can imagine, they, their complexions became dark, you know, like a thundercloud. And from two arms, they all manifested four arms. And their dresses all changed into the dress, a yellow dress. And they took on all the ornaments and all the weapons and all the decorations of Vishnu. So now the calves that are in the caves, the calves and the cows are there, but now he's experiencing the other calves and cowherds have become Vishnus. And not just any manifestation of Vishnu, these Vishnus were all manifestations of Karnadakshai Vishnu, 
they were Karnadakshai Vishnu because they all had different Brahmas worshipping them and different Devatas worshipping them. And now Brahma's really bewildered. And no sooner did he experience that aspect of Krishna manifesting all these expansions of his very self of Vishnu than they became universes. They became all the universes and everything that we would consider to be a universal manifestation of the Supreme. And then they were gone. All gone. Then Brahma got off his, his swan and started to fall down on the ground. Repeatedly, the text tells us. Repeatedly he fell down. Just overcome. What, what was that? What did I just experience? So all these prayers are coming out of this this revelation, this experience. And from these prayers, Jiva Goswami is taking it one step further. And he's drawing out all these different tattvas, these different truths, these these different sections of his Bhagavat Sandarva based on those prayers are bringing out different understandings of the supreme absolute of the lord of god this is this is god and this is this is what what he can do and we need to understand this when we talk about God. This is what we're talking about. This much power, this much energy. So tonight's reality, Advaya Jnana, Advaya Brahma, knowledge, non-dual knowledge, non-dual Brahman, that non-dual energy. So Brahma continues, could the appearance of your form as being limited by this material world occur except through your maya? For example, the potency by which you are able to completely cover yourself. In other words, it would, be not, it would not be possible. When we see the Supreme manifest a form within the material world, within the material manifestation, how would that be possible? If it was not for the Lord utilizing his external energy for his purposes. So that's what Brahma is basically saying. Now the actual verse from the 14th chapter of the 10th canto. Did you not show me on this very day that other than you all this is just the work of Maya? In other words, did not today you make the verse that you spoke to me at the beginning of the creation, did not today you give me the revelation of that verse? 
the experience. You gave me the direct experience today of this verse. All this is just the work of your maya, your energy. It's not referring to his external potency per se. He's referring to the potencies of the Supreme Lord, your maya, your energy. And we know he has, from the Lord's aspect, there is only one maya. That's yoga maya. That other maya won't even show herself in front of Krishna. As explained, it's, it's like a maidservant who only works and takes care of the outer chambers, never, never showing her face. And, of course, working under the direction of the, the queen-in-chief who's in the inner chamber. So we look at these mayas, external maya, mahamaya, and we look to yoga maya. But from the perception of the king, there's only one maya. These, all these maidservants are working under the direction of my queen. At first you were alone, and then you became your friends and calves too. Then all of them became four-armed forms, worshipped by everyone, including me. He saw himself worshipping a Vishnu manifestation of Vishnu. And he saw other Brahmas worshipping their manifestation of Vishnu. And then you became all the universes. So I misspoke, I believe. I said Karna Dakshai Vishnu. I think the proper one would be Garbo Dakshai Vishnu. Because there is one Karna Dakshai Vishnu. Only one. And from him, all the universes emanate. And now, all that remains is the one immeasurable non-dual Brahman. He's, he's saying, all this is your energy. These are different manifestations of what is known as Brahmati. It's an aspect of the Supreme which pervades everything. It's not the specific aspect, but it is that aspect. Advaya Brahma. Non-dual spiritual existence, which is you. There is no difference between this and you. The idea expressed here, this is more of the Anucheta, so Jiva speaking, is that since Brahma witnessed the appearance, existence, and disappearance of all material and spiritual substances, he saw it all, occurring within this form, it meets the criteria of non-dual Brahman. And since this form has the characteristics of Brahman, it is thus all-pervasive. From the verse, uh, the Bhagavatam verse, the word is uh, Brahmad-vayam. Brahmad-vayam. So Brahma closed his eyes and Lord Krishna dismissed his yoga maya and everything was normal. He fell to the ground before Krishna holding yogurt and rice in his hand just as he had been a year before. He got down from his swan carrier and offered his prayers as presented here. 
So it goes on to say, when Brahma saw the Vishnu Murtis being worshipped, he saw himself included among the worshippers. This means that, Brahma, that the Brahmanda in which Brahma exists is also within the Lord, implying that everything is pervaded by Sri Krishna's body and that nothing exists outside of him. Therefore, those who consider this creation to be outside of the Lord are in illusion. This is a highly profound experience. This was a highly profound experience for Brahma. So, as I said, this is an integral part to the whole presentation of Jiva Goswami. This Advaya, non-dual Brahman. This Brahman is identified in the Bhagavatam as Krishna, right? Swayam Bhagavan. Uh, Krishna to Bhagavan Swayam. So, we accept the Bhagavatam as the highest Brahman, and we accept this statement of the Bhagavatam as a definitive statement of what is the Swayam Bhagavan the Supreme Absolute, the topmost manifestation of the Supreme, is Krishna. Now, not all transcendentalists see things like we do. He can become many and remain one at the same time. He can expand himself, but he's still one Krishna. Now, he can expand himself as spiritual manifestations of himself, that we have no problem with. He can expand himself as the calves and the cowherd boys, and we can kind of grasp that. But he can expand himself as every jiva, and as Brahma and Shiva, and as Vishnu to manifest within the material energy. These are the core tattvas that are trying to be brought out here. When we think of God, understand it's all God. This non-dual substance is all God. No matter how God, or the Supreme Lord, or for us, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, manifests himself, it's all him, inside and outside. All the universes are inside him, and they're outside him. There's nothing that's not inside him, and there's nothing that's not outside him, but he's normal. He's a normal, medium-sized, regular-sized personality. How is that? This is the concept of this particular Anucheda, this particular section, Advaya Brahma. He's this one Brahman. Now remember the last Anucheda, what part of Brahma's prayers were used to bring the same point home? The prayer that Brahma used to remind Krishna, well, I'm really, it's, I, this is not a great offense here. 
I'm your son. I was born from you. You showed the same thing to your mother when you were taking milk. You yawned and all of a sudden she saw within you the entire universe and her, herself feeding you. She didn't know what was, she didn't understand what was the meaning of her vision until she, she thought, well, maybe I'm dreaming. Maybe this is an illusion. Maybe I'm mistaken. And then she came to the right conclusion. No, this is the mystic opulence of my son. And then Krishna said, whoa, if you start thinking that way, this love affair that you have with me as your son is going to be diminished and I have more milk to drink. So let's cover that up. So he covered it up again. So she saw in his mouth everything, including her feeding him. And then she started to contemplate, well, what's going on here? And then she came to the conclusion it was my energy. And then I had to, I had to employ Yoga Maya. I'm just your son. You know, she thought it could be a reflection. But the problem was, in the reflection was the experience. In the reflection, generally all we see is, is, is the reflection. We don't smell the smells and the taste and the noise, you know, all the sounds. All those were existing in Krishna. So it was a, a full universal manifestation of what she was experiencing. A full one. It was complete. Perfect and complete. So Brahma used this in his prayer to bring Krishna to the point that, can you at least say something? Can you at least acknowledge me in some way? He was he was a little dumbfounded at this point. He Krishna's just Krishna's giving him the cold shoulder, really, not saying a word. He's like, "I'm your son." Just like a just like the a son who kicks the mother in the womb. It's okay. I didn't it wasn't a real offense. I'm just you have to treat me like what I am. I'm just I'm just your son. That wasn't working. Those kind of prayers weren't working. Well, let me remind Krishna of Mother Yasoda. Now that that should so we saw the same thing with Prabhupada. Well, if you want to get Radha's favor, then you know, then you will satisfy my spiritual master by empowering me. Oh, oh yeah. Radha, yes. Yeah, so Mother Yasoda, oh yes. Prabhupada had some success. Brahma's never got <laughs> This is the last Anucheta. This same type of revelation was given to Mother Yasoda that was given to Lord Brahma. Similar. There were similarities between the two. Brahma's, of course, was a little bit more profound in that every individual cowherd boy became a universe <laughs> after he became a Vishnu worshipped by the Brahma of all these 
the different Brahmas of all the different universes and the Devatas of all those universes. I mean, we can't, we can conceive of the revelation. Someday we'll have that. We'll be able to, to know more directly those kind of experiences, those kind of spiritual revelations uh, as we engage our senses fully then there's nothing else will there be nothing else in our existence except spiritual revelation why? because we'll not see anything separate from Krishna so there'll be no maya well there'll be maya there'll hopefully be that maya that will cover us up from seeing things that will see Krishna only in relationship to his opulences. We, as Gaudias, are not seeking that kind of relationship with the absolute truth. It's wonderful. There's also loving exchanges there in, in Dasya and, and uh, Santa, to some extent, has some some appreciation of the majesty of the Supreme, but we'd rather stay in Maya. At least that's what our Acharyas tell us. <laughs> you want to stay in Maya, you just want to switch over to the other Maya, the positive Maya. Now you're in negative numbers, now let's get at least neutral, and, and then from Nista, from a neutral state, when the, when the modes of material nature aren't dragging us down, then we can begin to make positive progress the negative maya won't will not be there there'll be nothing that we will see independent of Krishna that is maya but a specific maya what all these prayers culminated in I just wanted to remind us today of the, of the verse uh, from the 14th chapter that finally Brahma concludes after all these prayers. Aho bhagyam, aho bhagyam, nanda gopa vajakasam, yadmitram paramam nandam, purnam Brahma sanatanam. How fortunate, how fortunate are the residents of Nanda's cowherd community, for their friend is the supreme bliss, the eternal, and the complete Brahman. So he concludes this. This is like at the conclusion of his prayers. But we're still going to go on. Jiva's going to use some other prayers to bring out some other philosophical points. So the philosophical point of this Anucheta is Advaya Brahma. That all this, all of it. Krishna pervades everything personally. All the material universes are in Krishna. Now there, there's a misconception that's sometimes been used by some Acharyas recently, my spiritual master, that you are with Krishna in Vaikuntha. It's fully supported here. You, are, you were with Krishna in Raj. This Leela, as explained by Jiva Goswami in this Anucheda, proves the point. You were with Krishna in Vraj. He manifested He manifested the universe. So you were there 
It is Leela. So if we can come this deep into an understanding of the Sandarvas through Jiva Goswami, then this becomes revealed to us. There is a proper way of seeing what Srila Prabhupada said as far as us being with Krishna in Vraj Leela. And here's the here's the proof. Anucheta thirty six of the Bhagavat Sandarbha. If you study deeply this Anucheta, you will see you were with Krishna. But you were fallen too. Not that you fell from that. You are still that. You are still there with Krishna in Vraj. These pastimes are eternal. You've never fallen. It's just a way of looking at things. <laughs> right? It's a way of looking at things, but we want to look at things the right way. Not that we enter some, you know, give some misconception. The conception is there. But the proper conception is we've been conditioned by the Lord's external Maya. But it's still His Maya still his energy, still his universes, and they all reside within him and outside of him, simultaneously. There's a statement from the Vedanta Sutra. I'll read the English. The form of the Lord, although separated by space, does not undergo change because he simultaneously exists everywhere. Again, the conception being that Thus there is no exaggeration when Krishna confirms in the Bhagavad Gita Aham Sarvasya Prabhavo Mata Sarvampavartate Iti Matva Bhajante Imam Buddha Bhava Samanvita I am the source of all spiritual material worlds. Everything emanates from me. The wise who know this perfectly they engage in bhakti. So the next Anocheda carry on Brahma's prayers uh, Krishna is the ultimate cause and in this Anucheta the Sambanda that's being brought out is that to those that are under un, unaware that Krishna everything is a manifestation of Krishna either direct you know, manifestation or a manifestation his ontological identity the true position is that he appears differently for different functions. He manifests himself variously. So now Jiva does what other commentators have done. And what they do is they speak on Krishna's behalf. So we know from the Bhagavatam that Krishna in Vraj had no dialogue with Lord Brahma. There was no back and forth. Brahma continued to get no response to his prayers. And he used every trick he could, but no luck. 
But Jiva is going to give some responses here to some of the philosophical points in order to, to bring them out. And we notice this, you know, also Vishwanath does this. He, he likes to speak on Krishna's behalf and, and bring out the philosophical point of, a, of, 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 a, uh, of the matter. So Krishna then asks, this is Jiva putting words in the Lord's mouth, so to speak. But you can't say that because there's really no difference there. Because the spiritual master is what? He's the external manifestation of the Supreme. So he's allowed to speak on Krishna's behalf. We take his words as Krishna's words. I'm trying to give the right tattva here, though, so I hope you can see through my comments to the core of the matter. Krishna then asks, Brahma, Vishnu, and Maheshwar are said to be the causes behind creation, maintenance, and dissolution, respectively, and other avatars appear during the maintenance period as well. Why do you say that I am the only cause behind these three states? Krishna is saying, you just said that I'm the cause of everything. This is the this is the prayers that you're giving now, resulting from your revelation that I've let you see this aspect of my energy. You're saying that it's all me. But maybe there's other me's. Maybe there's, you know, so are you forgetting them? What about what about the, those, those personalities who are in charge of any one material universe, like the one we're in right now, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva? You're saying, I'm this little medium-sized personality are the source of everything, the cause of everything, but what about them? And what about all the other avatars who uh, appear in any one of those universes you just experienced um, in order to maintain yada yadahi dharma sha to maintain the dharma of, of uh, humanity. So Brahma replies, you are the supreme self. This is in the, four, this is in the actual verse from the 14th chapter of the Bhagavatam, 10th canto. You are the Supreme Self. To those unaware of your true position, you yourself expand your maya and appear within the non-self, within inert matter, as me, Brahma, for the creation of the universe, as this, Vishnu, for the maintenance and as three-eyed Shiva to bring about its end. So this is part of Brahma's prayers from the Brahma the Mohan. To those that are unaware of your true position, those who do not have the fine spiritual discrimination acquired from hearing from reliable sources of what is your full nature, for them, yes, absolutely, there is Brahma, 
There is Vishnu and there is Shiva for creation, maintenance, and destruction. But for someone in knowledge, they realize that all these personalities and all the energies that they possess are coming from you. You are the cause of all causes. So, you should know this about yourself to answer the rhetorical question that Jiva put forward. The word expand means to set into motion. According to these different functions of creation, maintenance, and dissolution, you appear differently. Then, <clears throat> Jiva relies on another Praman verse from the second canto of the Bhagavatam. I create being engaged by him. Lord Shiva destroys under his influence. It's another verse from Brahma earlier in the Bhagavatam. And he himself, the possessor of these three potencies, maintains everything in his Purusha forms, appearing to be limited by his work of protection. So this is a deeper meaning here. Understand that we are working under your direction and even the Vishnu within a universe, he's a, he appears to be limited because of his function as a Purusha avatar, although he is a manifestation of your unlimited potencies. He appears unlimited in his capacity as a Vishnu. What's well, you? So you appear to be limited in that capacity of maintaining a universe. So Brahma says only ignorant people do not recognize that the Lord appears in various forms to conduct various functions. Such knowledge is only available to those on the path of devotion. So there's a verse from the 11th canto, 14th chapter, which is part of the Uddhava Gita. So Lord Krishna is speaking to Uddhava, another Gita. So I, who am the eminent self, Paramatma, and the most beloved of all, Priya, am attainable for those established in truth, Satam, only through unalloyed devotion undertaken with full faith. Moreover, Bhakti performed with exclusive Fixity upon me purifies even the outcast dog-eaters. See, we do have a place. But there is an entrance point for us. <laughs> even though we're in Kali Yuga and, and lower than dog-eaters, considering certain things, um, Krishna is giving us some, some little doorway. The point being made here is to understand this tattva, to enter into a deep understanding of, of what's being presented uh, by Jiva Goswami and to understand that actually Krishna is the complete Swayam Bhagavan, absolute truth, who provides all the energy and is Brahma, is Shiva and is Vishnu is 
if we see them different from Krishna, what are we in? Our vision is that of Maya. It's an illusion. But that doesn't mean that there isn't subtle understandings that constitute a full understanding of Swayan Bhagavan Sri Krishna. So there is some very, very fine discrimination required and developed as we progress in spiritual life to enter into the mysteries of how Brahma is Krishna, how Shiva is Krishna, how Vishnu is Krishna. They are Krishna. Well, sometimes Krishna becomes Brahma. How does that work? Well, there's not a Brahma that's qualified. So Krishna has to fill his shoes. Is he any less Krishna when he becomes Brahma? No, but just like Vishnu, as pointed out here, he appears to be less in relationship with the tasks that he has to perform. And only the less intelligent who aren't properly schooled by the wisdom teachers, by the spiritual masters, by a bona fide parampara, they're not going to be able to understand these fine distinctions. They're not going to be understand that an acharya can say that you were with Krishna in Vraj. You were. You are. Because all the universes are within Krishna. Simultaneously, within and without. But there's no falling. So we go back to this verse, this first verse, the Chatur Sloki. O Brahma, whatever appears to be of any value, if it's without relation to me, has no reality. No, it is my illusory energy, that reflection which appears to be in darkness. An important point here. Uh, regarding this particular verse that's used as a praman from Brahma's prayers. And it's a subtle distinction that's being made. And it's a, di- it's a difference in, in, the, in the angle of vision of two, you know, great devotees. One Srila Jiva Goswami and one Sridhar Swami, the great commentator on the Srimad Bhagavatam. So Jiva Goswami differs from Sridhar Swami in pointing out through word usage. So as is Praman for his differing from Shiva, I mean from Sridhar Swami, Jiva Goswami uses, well, this definition and this word usage because it's a, and I didn't, I don't know enough about Sanskrit to, to fully suss out What's being said? It has something to do with the fact that the that the uh, the 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 noun which is carried forth from the from the last you know the adjective is actually related to this noun. It's not related to that noun because these two things are in the same class, as we'd have to know in Sanskrit. So Jiva points out a distinction in the commentary, a philosophical distinction using because of the word usage. That the Vishnu mentioned in Brahma's verse, 
is clearly distinct from Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. However, Vishnu is distinct from Brahma and Shiva. He is not an empowered living entity. So the point being, Jiva is saying that the Vishnu referred to in the verse that's being used as the Praman, all right, that these three are non-different from you, um, is different from Swayan Bhagavan, is Jiva's point. It's diff- he's, he's, he's a different manifestation of the Supreme because of his different functionality in relationship with the material universe. Whereas Sridhar Swami's more of the presentation that they are the same Supreme Personality of Godhead. And Vishnu brings out the, well, they're different. One's Swayam Bhagavan and one's Vishnu, who is a manifestation of Swayam Bhagavan, coming through Narayan. But they both agree that, the, that Vishnu is distinct from Brahma and Shiva in that they are both empowered by the Supreme Personality. Any questions? When Vishnu uh, Krishna descends, it's Krishna. When Krishna descends into um, material world, his devotees see him abnormal size through yoga maya. Non devotees see him as normal size through maya. Through yoga maya. So. But they see him differently. I mean, Krishna manifests in the material world. He cannot be seen. Atashri Krishna Namadi Nabaved Graham Indriya. We cannot perceive Krishna with material senses. So if he manifests himself to what we can, would consider a non-devotee, he gives them the vision to see him because he cannot be perceived with material senses. Otherwise, the verse, Atashri Krishna Namadi, has no meaning. You cannot see Krishna with material senses. He has to give you the vision. But the vision varies according to what? Yayata Mamprapajante. All of them, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. Now, the unsurrendered, like a Kamsa, who's simply in, in, in fear of Krishna, is not seeing the same Krishna as the residents of Dwarka saw or Mathura saw enter the, enter the arena or the wrestler saw or the yogi saw. So these personalities that were in the presence of Krishna all saw him differently according to the way that they conceived him from a spiritual platform or they perceived him from an empiric perception. Does that make sense? What do you mean by empiric? The senses. They only they have no spiritual sense. They only had spirit like the wrestlers only saw him as another wrestler, mm. but a strong, strong little boy. 
they could defeat him. They knew it, but they didn't. But they so that would be through yoga maya? It's all yoga when it comes to Krishna. If Krishna's in the room, <laughs> there's no maya there because maya does not appear in the presence of Krishna. So when Krishna manifests, he brings the spiritual world with him. So when the wrestlers see him as distinct, do they see him as distinct? <laughs> they see him as a personality, yes. Yeah. They're given spiritual eyes to see him. But they're not seeing him as the Supreme Lord. No, they're seeing according to his, their conception. They have no spiritual conception. They have no guru. They haven't come to this platform yet of developing the proper perspective. So their perspective is based on their environment, which is material environment. But their seeing is spiritual seeing. They, they are not seeing with material eyes. So Krishna is employing his energies in, in his particular way, in his special way. He can employ his energies. That, that's the next, that's the next Anucheta that we'll come to is Krishna being the possessor of all these energies, can use these energies at his discretion in any way that he sees fit. So that means he can let the material energy look like it's working normally, or he can supersede it and do things that are completely out of the norm, like uprooting twin Arjuna trees when he's just got a little form and they're rooted the the deepest roots of any of any tree that exists and he can uproot them so he can do both he can either appear like he can't he can see in the dark or he can appear like he can't see he can appear like Kali is defeating him at one moment and then the next moment he's dancing on the hoods so he can make material energy act normal if he wants to or he can supersede it it's totally at his discretion. He's not bound by the laws. His, he's not bound by his laws of material nature. He may follow them. He says in Bhagavad Gita, what if I break them? Everybody's going to be confused. So I generally don't break my own laws. But then I met the gopis. But that's a whole other story. Then I broke all the laws. And they did too. But it's okay. Because I wrote the laws. So I... <laughs> I wrote them, I could break them. You can't break them, but I can. Jiva says, no, he didn't break them. Well, is Jiva employing a preaching strategy, or does he not know the tattva? Does that answer your question? Thank you so much. Hare Krishna.